The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. Today, we're going to talk about the seven patterns of play developed by Dr. Stuart Brown. If you want to learn more about it, you can go to the National Institute for Play or read his book, Play. But his work really changed how I was able to look at what was already happening in my life. Because one of my big goals is to appreciate the amazing life I already have. And in light of everything going on in the world, that's even more important. I don't want to get lost in the pain and the suffering. I want to make sure that my own kids feel safe and seen and soothed and secure. And I fully believe that in order for a kid to feel seen, that means an adult is taking time to play with them. You might go, whoa, wait a second, but I want you to pause for a second and imagine one of your favorite childhood memories. Okay, let's pull it up together. What do you notice in your memory? Okay, so just hold that. And then I want you to remember meeting your best friend for the first time or your spouse, your partner for the first time. And how did you connect with them? What things did you do that helped you bond together? I invite you to listen to the patterns of play with an open and soft heart that when you're reflecting on those memories, of connection with other humans, that you will probably see the elements of play. And that is why play is so important to me. Play is the glue of connection. Especially when for the last two years, it feels like we've been bombarded with messages about being behind or needing to be separate from each other or about safety. Play is the glue. Play has always been the glue. We just didn't always need an expert to convince us that it was. But because productivity is our idol, it just is, then we need to figure out ways to counteract that. So I offer you play. 
I hope that my kids can look back and see a mom that had time to play. There will be years for cooking and cleaning, but children grow up while we're not looking. So let's talk about the first pattern of play. The first pattern of play is called attunement play. It's those very first smiles. And this sort of play is activated not by the the baby who smiles back at you, like thinking, oh, uh, someone smiled at me. I want to smile back. No, there are some really cool things in our body called mirror neurons. So attunement play is activated by mirror neurons. And we're trying to attune to other people's emotions and feelings because as a human, we need to belong. We need connection. The next level of play is body play and movement. And once again, this sort of play is seen very early on in life. I'm sure if you close your eyes, you can imagine a baby finding its toes for the first time and how delightful that is to just watch. If you can slow down and watch a baby find its toes for this first time, you can really enjoy body play. But also, we see body play with wrestling and roughhousing. We see body play when you might go exercise, right? Running and biking feels like body play to me. It's a release of moving that movement. We see it in other species body play, right? The dog park when other dogs meet each other. That's body play and movement. So we have attunement and body play. The third type of play is object play. And once again, I can give you an easy example from animals. When you go to the zoo, sometimes there are boxes and toys in the enclosure with the animal, right? To stimulate them. That is object play. When they give a cardboard box to a monkey with a snack inside, right? It's also Tetris in video games, right? You're shuffling those little blocks around the screen and Legos. It's using how to use a paintbrush to make marks on paper. With object play, the key thing is that our hands manipulate something. Our hands are used to help problem solve, problem solve something with an object. Legos. Okay? There's lots of body play or lots of object play. I kind of think that when I stare at an open pantry and I don't know what to make for dinner, that is a very grown-up version of object play. But object play lays a foundation for problem solving. So we have attunement, we have body play, and we have object play. The fourth type of play is social play. It's the primer 
for relationships. It's how we learn our body language cues. It's when we're playing in a group and trying to figure out the dynamics. It doesn't have to be pretend play. It can just be that group dynamic. It can be bantering back and forth or singing Encanto lyrics or or just answering the pretend telephone for a toddler, right? It can have an element of imagination, but it doesn't have to. Social play is learning how to interact in a group. You see this at the dog park. And in a lot of families, social play feels like that balm, right? When you've been lonely and you just want an inside joke, that's where social play comes in. It says, you're a Thomas. I'm so glad you're here. Now the fifth type of play is the one that we all default to in our heads. And this is the one that makes most parents say, I'm not good at playing anymore because it's so iconic. It's imaginative play, pretend play. So we have attunement, body play, object play, social play, and and imaginative play for that fifth one. This can feel really hard for a grown-up to enter into. Some grown-ups are really good at this, and they continue to role-play and play games like Dungeons & Dragons, or maybe they get on stage and act. But imaginative play is the vessel where we can practice our feelings, we can work out fears, we can learn coping skills for when things don't go our way. When we're playing with a dollhouse and there's something wrong with the character we're playing with, right? We don't have to melt down ourselves. We can let that doll have the tantrum and we can figure it out. Imaginative play builds trust in a relationship. And it leads right into the next very human type of play. Play number six, which is storytelling. Storytelling in narrative play is what human intelligence is made for. It's radio and podcasts and movies and books and social media, newspapers. Imagine the campfire stories as you are roaming the Wild West, swapping stories, Greek mythology, songs, video games. A lot of them have a storytelling narrative where we have this imaginative world or a situation that we've grown into an imaginative storytelling arc. This is why YouTubers have a theme, right? And you keep coming back to it or your kids keep coming back to it. And you're like, I don't understand. But there's a developed storyline. It's a timeless pleasure and it allows some sort of escape, right? And... And it also allows us to try on new things. When I talked about critical thinking with Julie Bogart, storytelling narrative and letting yourself step into someone else's place, right, is the skill that helps us learn empathy and critical thinking. It lets us pretend what it's like to be the other. 
So that's play six, storytelling. Play seven is creative play, the Einstein of play, the daydreaming, the science experiments, the open up the cupboard and look at the objects I have and make something brand new play for dinner. Creative play is where we get science and all great inventions from. The beautiful oops. Our brain really is wired to seek novelty. And in creative play, that's where we'll find it. Maybe you'll study why rainbows look like a circle. Maybe you'll just ask yourself a question, right? Four-year-olds are really good at this. Why? 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 That's the beginning of creative play. It's for big ideas and innovation, but it could even just be big ideas about laundry in your house or how to get to school on time, okay? It's spontaneous. It often happens in the shower or while you're on a walk or in a dream. So there are seven main types of play, according to Dr. Stuart Brown. So let's review them again. There's attunement play with those mirror neurons and first smiles. There's body play, roughhousing. Object play, where your hands have to manipulate something. Social play, playing with others, learning rules. Imaginative play, right? The squeaky voices, little kids on the floor. Storytelling play, the play that we never outgrow. And then creative play. So pull up that memory again of how you first connected with your spouse or some happy moments of your own childhood and pause and see if you can pick out if there is a theme of play going on there. We're complicated humans. So usually there might be more than one type of play going on. But play is the glue of connection. Do you remember the first part of this series, right? Where I talked about play. The opposite of play isn't work. The opposite of play is depression. Because play is what anchors us. I don't know why we're made this way, but I think it's fascinating. And if you need help, this is a call to action to reach out to me. If you need a play audit for your family to help figure out where you're already rocking play or to develop some ways to connect through play, I'm here for that. So just reach out an email. I've coached other people through this before. So let me know if you need a play audit with me. This is my passion. This is how you can keep calm and mother on when there is big, heavy news going on in the big world around you. You go back to what matters. We want our kids to feel safe, seen, soothed, and secure. And play is the ultimate tool. Not just for them, but for you. 
Let's talk about our family fun idea for today. The family fun idea for today is to practice roughhousing. It's not a natural skill for most moms. So I'm going to suggest a classic activity, which is either to roll your kid up in a blanket and make them into a burrito and talk about all the toppings. Maybe before you roll them up, you talk about how they're beans and how you're going to add cheese and you just kind of sprinkle your hands all over them, tussle their hair, and then you roll them up tight and then pretend to chop them up and eat them up. (laughs) Or you could play pizza pizza based on the book. And what you do is pretend your kid's pizza dough and then you add some sauce and sprinkles. And then if your kid is small enough, you lift them up and put them in the oven Make them wait there, put on a timer, build that anticipation, and then you come back and eat them up, (laughs) okay? These are very easy, roughhousey type of games for a mom to, to start. If you have another variation of either one of these, I would love to know that too. And then the self care idea is from you guys, from Marie Charlotte. Cherie, I I think I'm messing up your name, Marie. It's a beautiful French name. And here's what her idea was. She said that she knows that she can always find peace, that even if for a moment she can sit outside in the sunlight, no matter what else is going on, she can sit on a bench and enjoy some sunlight. I think that's amazing. I hope you find your moment of sunlight today. I hope you realize that you have an amazing life right now. You're exactly the right mom for your kids. And I am so proud to know you and so thankful you're here. I hope you have a great day. And don't forget to reach out for that play audit. Bye, everyone.